Welcome to the Echelon Wealth Partners podcast, your destination for financial insight. And now your host and head of wealth management, James Hunter. Welcome again to another edition of Echelon Wealth Partners podcast series. My name is James Hunter, your host, also head of wealth management at Echelon Wealth Partners. I'm thrilled today to be speaking with Craig Bassinger, uh, Chief Investment Officer and Portfolio Manager, uh, who manages three of the uh, portfolios on our third-party segregated managed account platform at Echelon Wealth Partners. Also runs three mandates through Purpose Investments on their uh, mutual fund and ETF platform. Welcome, Craig. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I guess today we're going to be talking about something that you and I have been going back and forth on for around two years now, which is uh, behavioral finance and how that inc- can impact portfolio returns, uh, investor psychology, uh, advisor, investor uh, relationship, and sort of do a bit of a dive into that and and, uh, and see what your observations are and uh, see what some of your recommendations are to um, uh, see how that can be managed in order to um, enhance portfolio returns. So, but before we get into that, tell us a bit about yourself. How, how did you get into the business? What, what has been your sort of path to, uh, to where you are now? Sure. Uh, yeah, I've been, at, I've been managing money for uh, just about two decades now. And I think one of, one of the things I've learned along the way, and trust me, you, you learn a lot along the way when it comes down to investing, is we, we ourselves either as managers, portfolio managers, investors, advisors, we can very often be our own sort of worst enemy. And over the years, we started, you know, doing more and more research as a team into behavioral finance and behavioral economics, which is really, which is really trying to study how people make decisions. And the goal was to try and find, you know, how we can make poor decisions using behavioral finance and when we can make mistakes. Uh, and we started going down this road for the, with the simple goal of trying to become better investors, trying to become better decision makers. Uh, and invariably, hopefully that leads to better results in the long term. For sure. So for you and your team, when was this? When did you realize, you know what, there's, there's something to this uh, instead of looking at just modern portfolio theory, mm-hmm. there's this other aspect to this that involves the human brain and emotion. Like, uh, when was that? And, and did you think it was sort of a, well, that, that would be interesting to read about, or there's an actual application to this that we could be using? Well, you know, it, w- it was probably eight or nine years ago that really I started devoting a fair bit of our sort of I don't want to call it leisurely reading because it's when it's financial books, it's not really leisurely reading. But that, that's probably when we started to have an increased interest in the space. Um, and that continued research into those areas, you know, got us more and more along that we were sort of on the right path as far as, you know, how we can how we can help make our process a bit better. Because, you know, at, at the end of the day, and this is what, you know, modern portfolio theory is great. Don't get me wrong. We're not going to refute that. But in investing, in investing is a social science. Like it, it's people's behavior that determines if a stock goes up or a stock goes down. Uh, it, it's people's greed and fear. And 
you know, with that, behavioral finance actually has you trying to better understand the emotions, uh, whether they're, you know, I say fear and greed, but there's a whole bunch of them, you know, trying to better understand the emotions of what's going on in the market and for the participants in the market. And, you know, that that's what really set us on this course. And I think we've we've learned a lot and we've really actually changed our investment process a considerable amount as well. So I would think that most people would appreciate the notion of um, fear and greed driving markets and investor behavior. Um, is there more to it? You, you seem to indicate that there's a bit more to it. Is it sort of a, you know, uh, once bitten, twice shy sort of thing? Or, or, or um, are there other elements to this above and beyond fear and greed that, that um, play into investor behavior? Yeah, and 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 it's not just investing too. I mean, this, this impacts every every aspect of life. Like we suffer from all of us suffer from a recency bias, where we will put an extraordinary weight on things that have just happened versus thinking in, in longer term time frames, uh, or availability bias, where if it's a vivid memory of something like, say, I don't know, the financial crisis of two thousand eight, that can very often because it is such a vivid memory. And as far as an investor going through it, it, it really etches your behavior and influences your decisions for much longer than it probably should because it is so vivid. So it, it, it's not just fear and greed. It, it's trying to understand kind of the way our, our minds work because our minds have a whole bunch of shortcuts built into them. It's, it's how we process information. It's how we store information. It's how we recall information. And don't get me wrong, like we, we need those. Um, we need these shortcuts because otherwise we, we would never be able to sort of manage in the world today. But, you know, the, the fact is, well, it provides shortcuts and enables us to you know, operate in a very complex world. Uh, these shortcuts can very often lead us to make poor decisions. And what the academics have found and what we've found is that those shortcuts really impact investors most often in the wrong way. Can you give us some examples? I, I'm, my, my whole life is about mental shortcuts, trust me, uh, as I'm reminded all the time. But um, can you give us some examples of what, what those shortcuts might look like and you know, what behavior would be exhibited uh, like, uh, to uh, adversely affect someone's financial life based on those shortcuts? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, I mean, you know, one of the one of the really prevalent ones is sort of this herd behavior, where you know, if everybody's doing it, it can't be wrong. Um, and don't get me wrong; like that's that is a good mental shortcut. It actually saved us as humans probably a long time ago, uh, because when we were out on the savanna and somebody all of a sudden started running away, you know, you, you could sit there going. Oh, I don't want to suffer from herd behavior. I'm not going to follow that person. I have no clue why they're running. But usually they were running from something that was possibly dangerous. And that's why herd behavior has helped us as, you know, evolved through the, through the millennia. But it also impacts us when it comes to investing. Um, I mean, you, you don't have to, do, to go back that long where, you know, everybody was, you know, up and all excited about, you know, the prospects of, of the marijuana industry in Canada and, and the growth of so many of these amazing companies that were just going to, you know, open greenhouses and, and grow a weed and sell it to, you know, everybody now that it's gradually becoming legalized. And, and of course the herd behavior sort of 
once you hear other people are doing it and making money doing it, then you start to go, I need to get in on that as well. And if they're doing it, I should be doing it as well. And the problem with that, and there's nothing wrong with sort of catching trends early if you can, but the problem with that is very often it will leave you off your long-term financial course um, where you should be sort of having a more disciplined long-term view on things and not chasing certain thematics. Um, herd behavior can very easily lure you into sort of getting off your long-term plan. For sure. I think it's, it's called FOMO, right? Uh, fear of missing out. And I talk a lot of, uh, to a lot of advisors here at Echelon and they say, listen, if I miss that trend, my clients miss that, so be it. I just can't get my head around it, you know? And, and uh, I, I think that's a healthy approach. If I don't understand why things are so attractive or moving in a certain direction, then I don't need to follow it. And I think that's a, a healthy approach to investing. Um, so despite our potential awareness uh, of um, our biases and, and our fear of missing out, the, the ultimate awareness of it, are, are you still prone to it? it I, I guess this is something that potentially you can never really truly overcome. Absolutely. So, you know, these, these biases or mental shortcuts that people have discovered, um, they're not, they're not curable. Like there's, there's no pill obviously, but, but there's no behavior that you can say, Oh, I understand confirmation bias. It makes me more readily accept reading information that supports my pre-existing views, um, as opposed to going out and reading a contrary view. It's, it's kind of why the, it's kind of why Fox news has a large following. It's, it's feeding people's confirmation bias. It's giving them what they want. Uh, but that's obviously not very objective. And, uh, you know, we can understand that bias and we can be aware of it. But even, even today, um, I mean, in our port, one of our portfolios, we have a lot of positions that are in the logistics companies, trucking and, and the like. And, and I'll be honest, if, if I come across two reports and one of them's positive on this industry that we like already, Hmm. I'll be more inclined to read that. I'll probably be more inclined to read that than one that says the, the trucking industry is overvalued and it's going to go down. And this is why. Um, so even understanding that you have the biases doesn't change the, the driving force. That's sort of how it's impacting your decision-making. And, and the other aspect is, and, and I mean, that's a pretty, you know, black and white kind of example, but, but the other aspect is, these, these biases or shortcuts or, or call them, you know, behavioral pitfalls along the way, you know, sometimes they're very minor and sometimes you can, you know, with a level head, you can say, oh, okay, I get it. I'm suffering from confirmation bias. I'm not going to read another report that supports my pre-existing view. I'm going to go read something else. Um, but the problem is, is when our emotions get elevated, especially during and that tends to happen also when markets are more volatile, that tends to actually elicit a lot more of these biases and they all of a sudden become stronger than they normally would. And we have clearly seen that this year with markets reaching new highs in February, fastest bear market in history, and then the fastest recovery in history as well. So we're sort of halfway through or getting halfway through Q4 of 2020. Where do you think people's heads are at now uh, as we see, you know, we're in the throes of a pandemic, the market is strong. Um, 
what are the, some of the things people could be avoiding right now? I think probably the, the, the most dangerous one right now, um, and this is, you know, now that we're through, let's say we're through the bear market, <laughs> you know, knock on wood here and say that's the, um, the assumption going forward, which is our view. But like, say we're, say we're past the bear market, we're obviously into some sort of weird recovery that has a pandemic going on, the economic data is getting better, the market's gotten a lot better in some areas, mm, not so much in others. I think that probably the biggest risk for investors right now is, is, is almost that availability bias where, you know, all of this, and trust me, this is an emotionally taxing time for everyone, whether you're an investor or, I've, I mean, if you're a human, this is an emotionally taxing environment that we're all living through. So our biases probably have a better chance of getting the upper hand here. And I think one of the things that's impacting most people is sort of this availability bias where some of these events and changes have been so vivid, people are now starting to extrapolate them going on forever or never getting anywhere back to even close to what normal looked like before. And, and that's dangerous. And it happens because again, sort of that it's been a very vivid environment that we're in. We've got the recency bias where, you know, we're all sitting at home, thinking, well, this is going to be the new norm forever. You know, planes will never fly again. Well, planes are flying now, but, you know, that industry will never come back. Cruise lines will never come back. Tourism will never come back. We won't go to malls anymore. Extrapolating this environment out forever, I think, is probably one of the bigger behavioral risks right now. For sure. And not to expose my biases too much, but does working with an advisor help temper uh, these sort of behavioral potholes that, that we might find ourselves stepping into? It, it certainly can. And where, where it actually really helps, um, <clears throat> because keep in mind, uh, an investor and an advisor can suffer from the same biases, have the same behavioral pitfalls, 100%. And, and let's just say, maybe some are a little bit better than others at sort of managing this, but everybody is, is at risk. Where the advantage comes from in working with an advisor, somebody else, talking to somebody else, is it's, it's the emotions that really drive you. So if, if you're looking at your portfolio and hypothetically speaking, it's lost you know 25% of its value and you're trying to make a decision at this point in time, whether to go to cash or redistribute or make a change, and you're clearly emotionally taxed because of the actual loss of capital and you start to worry more and more. And so your biases are getting the better of you. Working with an advisor or somebody else, talking to somebody else that has a different emotional mindset and is not being impacted by the fact that you've lost 25% of your money potentially, or has a different vantage point, they can be impacted by biases too, but probably different biases at different times. And because of that, I mean, we all know the benefits of diversification. You're sort of, you're spreading your assets across multiple different asset classes or styles or approaches. The same thing happens on the behavioral side. And that's why you kind of get diversified. So the other person may have, the advisor may have biases, but because you're both being impacted to a different degree, that helps uh, mitigate them or can help offset some of your own biases. I guess one final thought I, I would like to add is, you know, if you do, if you are feeling emotionally stressed and emotionally overloaded 
and you're trying to make an investment decision, very often the best thing you can do, talk to your advisor and take a break. We make most of our big investment mistakes when we are too emotionally charged to actually make a clear decision. And sleeping on it, not feeling rushed, can very often help avoid some of these behavioral pitfalls that are out there. Craig, I just want to thank you uh, uh, for your, your words today. It's, uh, it's an interesting topic. I, I, I think it's one of those things that clearly, if I to summarize our conversation, something that you should just be mindful of. And again, uh, discuss with your advisor and encourage your advisor to, if you think I'm you know, not looking at things objectively, help me out with that. Uh, so it's great. I, I do appreciate your time today. And I'd just like to tell our listeners that if um, you write some incredible stuff for us, the weekly insights and the investor strategy, uh, which comes out on a monthly basis, we do post this on social media uh, regularly. And it is uh, both publications are great read. So uh, please keep, uh, keep con- continuing to, uh, uh, to write those for us. And uh, I appreciate your time today, Craig. Oh, thanks for having me.